Welcome to Lineouts by Earful of Dirt, bringing you conversations with rugby newsmakers about the greatest sport on the planet. All right, welcome to Earful of Dirt Lineouts. And I've got Gordon Hanlon on with me today, and we're, you know, we're going to start a series first on rugby offensive systems to, you know, to help the average fan take the American understanding of the game and maybe just the world understanding of the game. But also, like, it's, you know, technical coaching, like, it's something I've been trying to find. So this is also for myself. And Gordon is kind enough to uh, help us out. Uh, Gordon, how are you? I'm really good, and I'm really uh, excited and happy to be here. Um, Like you said, it's uh, technical coaching and really, really growing the game. And and if we can do something where where people are watching MLR or something else and they start to recognize the trends or the shapes that we talk about, then it should enhance their um, overall experience, which is is hopefully what what we do here. (laughs) So, uh, you know... Let me, let's hear about your background in rugby. Um, so I'm from Ireland and I played rugby at a decent rugby school there. Um, never really coached or anything until I moved to America in 2009 and did a little bit. And each year seemed to get more and more involved in it. Um, I spent some time with the Crusaders, so did the Crusaders in 2015, and then I took a and now I'm going to job here in uh, Germany as the director. Yeah. Awesome. So yeah. before we get into shapes and strategies, we're going to discuss the uh, the modern rugby player and evolution of the game. So Gordon, let's get into the evolution of the game before we <laughs> move towards the intense technical stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, I'm sure you've seen all the videos and stuff. The game is, is dramatically changing every two to three years with the law variations. Uh, and some of the biggest ones have been around the breakdown, uh, the tackle, and in the whole point is to try and make the game, game faster to be a better spectacle, to not have piling into a one rock and then getting kicked and churned out the back, you know? So we're, they're trying to make it a more uh, athletic and uh, safer game so with the changes of the laws it has also brought about changes in players because the game is still newly professional it's only 20 or 20 years or so and how the players have developed if you think about it from a like a technical point of view their their run catch and pass skills are vastly improved from 1 to 15 it's not just you know 9 10 and 13 can pass the ball now Uh, there is an expectation that the entire team can and you have like a tactical understanding with, with the influence of like video analysis, um, exposure to different cultures as well in the internet because the information is just so more readily. This is this is what we like as people. We like to, to feel special. So so they want to attack. They want to be involved. Um, and there are some people who like doing the dirty work. That's for sure. But most of us want that fun of the game. You know. And then physically, we're just we're, we're better prepared. Our, our diet, our sleeping habits, our water intake I mean, is, is much, much better. So we are stronger, we're fitter, and we're faster. So all of these things have changed the game from what it used to be into modern athlete playing a different game. 
Um, the number of substitutions as well, that has also impacted the game, whereas not, I'm not that old that there was no substitutions back in my day. But, you know, there's, there's, you can change almost an entire pack. Forwards aren't as tired, they're, they're not as fatigued, and the, the spaces that they might leave aren't there anymore. So we've, they've had to come up with ways of breaking down these spaces, I guess has contributed to it that's interesting when it comes to uh forwards and stuff because you see a lot of arguments again to uh uh you know there people are talking about reducing the amount of subs and so to somehow reduce injuries because it would make forwards smaller whereas you know my background's different i'm like why don't we just have a bench of 15, you know, I, I would straight up. I mean, for me, I mean, I understand, you know, once you sub a guy off for uh, tactical purposes, usually you can't bring anyone back in unless there's an injury. So I get that. Um, but you have some arguments from guys who aren't forwards. I, I see this very often. It's like guys who guys who don't get in the scrum or just fans and don't play rugby at all. It's like, Actually, let's just reduce the uh, reduce the bench to twenty, or reduce the bench to nineteen, or whatever, and you know, call it good. And then you, you the arguments for safety when something else happens, like that Wales crap the other day, or not the other day, but a few weeks ago. And I'm like, well, they were healthy, so you can't tell me a loose head prop is so much more technically different than a tight head prop because. I'm not saying like, it's not that much different when it comes to your body control, your bind may not be familiar, but there isn't that much of a safety issue, especially when Wales moves over their hooker to play loose head. Like, come on. Yeah. If, the thing with that is if, if Wales needed to score points and they had a scrum, would the same thing have happened? Uh, I would say probably not. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. Or if they, have, yeah. So it's no, you're right. It's uh, I, I think they are doing research into the output, but as I said, the game is so newly professional that we don't have a lot of data about how it really impacts. Yeah. So we talked about bodies, talked about technical skills. You know, let's let's move into uh, our third topic, which is you know the attack is pushing the boundaries, reacting defenses, and then vice versa with systems. And the biggest change, however, you've talked about since the mid-2000s is what? So I really think there's been a big influx of rugby league coaches coming to rugby union, and they've brought their defensive habits with them. So one of the first ones is uh, Sean Edwards. So Sean Edwards very, very good uh, coach. He came to Wasps in the early 2000s and he introduced the blitz defense, where normally there was a lot of jockey defense, there was a lot of uh, drift defense, and, and Sean Edwards no, said, we're going to be on our feet, slits every team. And they had massive success. I think they won two Heineken Cups, they won four premierships, uh, with Wasps, and then he went to Wales. He was the defence coach of Wales, and they won a Grand Slam in 2008, and they only conceded two tries the entire competition. 
Um, so, so the blitz defense is, <coughs> excuse me, is is the entire defensive line moving forward into the corridor of power, which is like the space between the attack and defense. And the idea is to prevent the attacking team gaining any ground by tackling them backwards, and then you're on the front foot through the breakdown. So that's the first one I think has made a big, big difference. Um, and I say this because I'm Irish, but then the second one was Les Kiss with Ireland in the 2011 World Cup. I don't know if you remember it, but they introduced the choke tackle uh, on the big on a big scale against Australia. And it was well, I don't two. because you know in 2011 it was very hard to find rugby in this country unless you were at a bar uh, early in the morning and. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to watch, I mean, we had a team in college, but I was also at, in, at VMI, so going to school. So it's like they definitely weren't paying for, uh, you know, like the package to get the Rugby World Cup. And I definitely yeah. couldn't play hooky and go to the Irish bar and, you know, watch yeah. because I'd be out there, you know, marching with my rifle in front of the barracks. So yeah. <laughs> missed that one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Ireland played Australia in the World Cup, um, and the concept of the, the choke tackle is to get basically two or three men to the ball carrier. Get you're trying to get your one arm underneath his armpit, basically, and just they just hold them up and they create little mini malls, and then they get the turnover. Um, and it, I mean, it had been done before, but not to the extent that Ireland really, really targeted Australia in that game. Uh, Ireland won, and they had some success. <clears throat> and but again, it comes from really, really aggressive line speed and having defenders on their feet. So they're not defenders aren't just diving in or they're trying to contest the breakdown with three or four or five people. Like I watched um, some highlights of the in Australia, and you just watch the breakdowns there, even though it's only. 14 years, it looks like they're playing a completely different game. Yeah, I've, uh, you know, people tell me to look at, um, you know, I guess uh, if you can find the tapes, you know, 1996, 1997, and, and watch what we've got now. And, you know, that's, I would say, to an extent, the similarities between in American football, you look at what they did 20 years ago versus what they do now is just completely different. And even the offenses that were the same, they still look way different. Like, you know, they just, I mean, it's, it's much different in a, uh, in a start stop game versus a fluid motion sport. But I, I would say the concept of looking how things are executed um, over that period is about the same because it's just, it looks different, even though it's the same. Yeah, it's, and that's one of the good things. It is a fluid sport, and it's constantly evolving. And you know, people talk about how hey, we want to play like heads up rugby, and, and we're not scripted. But there are things that you can do that help the situation. You know, everyone talks about the All Blacks; they just do the simple things. Well, yes, they do, but they're also very smart with what they what they do. They I mean, purposely manipulate teams. I I talk about how I mean try to explain it to rugby people. You know, make it like when it comes to like bringing in other athletes. I was like, 
Rugby is extremely complicated, and yet it's very simple. So I, by saying you can't bring in someone who plays a different sport um, because they've spent so many years doing that, uh, I just don't get it because you're trying, especially here, we're trying to grow the game, so we're trying to make it. We're tr- you and I right now are trying to take all that complicated stuff and break it down and make it simple so that we can grow you know, our understandings of the game. And, you know, systems, craziness, it is complicated. But yet, if you sit down and you break it down, it can be simple. So, again, use the All Blacks as an example. The World Cup final in 2015 against Australia when they had uh, Pocock and Hooper. Pocock and Hooper were phenomenal for Australia throughout the World Cup. And I don't know how many turnovers they were averaging a game, but the All Blacks, how they nullified it is they... In the lineouts, they threw to where Pocock was going to have to lift to contest the ball. So they made, first of all, they made sure every ball was contestable, and then he would lift. So that would take him out of the first phase. Then they get the ball into the backs, and they would run straight at Hooper, forcing him to make the tackle. So you've taken the two best poachers of the ball six or seven seconds, and then they play their simple things. But why did no other teams think of doing this? Uh, I that one I can't tell you about. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't know. Much more. Yeah. Let's look at, you know, modern day defense, middle okay. of the field. Yeah, it's yeah. like okay, rock so, in front and like how many defenders to the left, how many to the right. And how does that fit into the space on the field? Well, so, yeah, if you, if you were to imagine yourself um, as an attacker, there's, let's say, a breakdown in front of you. Most teams these days, they're going to have, you look at all the defenders to the left, the defenders to the right, probably a 12 or 13-man wall you're facing. They may have the wingers dropped in a little bit deeper, uh, the fullback's probably deeper, and the number nine is in behind. That's your standard defensive shape, roughly. So <clears throat> when you think about space and how we're trying to attack, we see the space on the left-hand side and the space on the right-hand right side from the last defender to the sideline. People think we need to get the ball there, we need to manipulate. But, and this is where we get better at the but there's like three layers of space on the broad field. There is the stuff on the sides, then there's the space right in behind the defensive line, and then the third layer is behind the fullback again. Now, we're not really good enough yet to be able to attack all three layers at the same time. But Bowden Barrett is phenomenal two layers. He's, his passing, his footwork and acceleration gets him left and right, and then his chip kicks and his kicking, his kick passing game is able to put into that second layer of space. So how we do this is, is very important because Gone are the days where you can just hammer away at 13 defenders because it hurts. <laughs> you know? It hurts. And the, we don't miss tackles. You know, the increase of the substitutions, they're not fatigued. Um, footwork is much, much better. Uh, and teams are happy just to make your tackle and roll away. Make your tackle and roll away. It's kind of like as a defense, they're happy to bend but not break. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, uh, so for all you American football fans, uh, 
they're happy to play cover too and bend and not break, you know, give up yards and then finally take the ball away. Yeah. So, you know, so basically, as you're saying, so teams are willing to, especially the All Blacks, the All Blacks are crazy at this. And, you know, I, I would say I looked at um, the best film. I mean, All Blacks and Black Ferns basically play the same type of game. And you would see, you know, you look at, um, how do I, the best way to look at this is when you see the All Blacks just going is, you know, those games where they're up, where they just crush someone 50 to zero. They'll let people gain a bunch of meters and then they just intercept the ball and score. And, it, you know, like that uh, Samoa game over the summer, um, the first, uh, the first Australia game in this Bledisloe Cup that was in Sydney, I think. Yeah, in Sydney. And, they go up like 50 to something and then, you know, they just sort of like press the brakes and chill. I mean, you don't really see like that level of competence in the back half when, you know, Australia is able to score 20 points, but um, you saw, you know, the all blacks just let people gain meters and then they just take the ball away and they score. And, and two things from that they say, so there was um, studies done into, the more phases of possession you go through, the higher the likelihood of giving away a penalty. Um, but And the other one is, when the teams are most dis disorganized is the transition from attack to defense. So like, like you said, you're right. They, they do make line breaks and finish their line breaks better than any other team in the world. And that's because they work hard at it. They're, you're right, they're happy to take a phase here or another phase there in order to get the turnover, and then it's gone. The ball is within three seconds. It's 30 meters away on the other side of the field. Um, and that's one of the things that they do well, and teams are starting to get better at it. Like Ireland in this past World Cup, um, I, can, I think I saw the statistics. So they made almost as equal amount of line breaks per game as the All Blacks did, but they only converted 15% of it into points versus 60. And that's a huge difference. You know, if you, if you get into space, you can find space, but you can't execute, then it's a problem. So let's go into um, our need and ability to hold width on the feet on the pitch and then um how do you get around a blitz defense or uh create gaps to get in behind it yeah so that's 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 the how the shapes came about you know defenses are so bring so much pressure and the spaces are out wide a, a simple forwards you know hitting midfield and forwards around the corner strategy is not going to be effective. So what teams have had to do is they've had to hold with, and that means that forwards have had to be to really, really stretch the field because when you you have one player on one side, sideline on the other on the other, then the defense cannot line up square. They have to be spaced out. So you've got space out wide and you're also stretching the defenders uh, more so than, than just running around the corner. And if you stretch the defenders, maybe they will miss an alignment or, or someone might shoot out of the line. 
the pace might be off. So, so there's there's a lot more gaps there if you can hold width on the field. Um, so shapes and stuff were, were born out of this, basically. Um, for example, we would talk about 242 and 1-3-3-1 and, and then get into 1-3-2-2. And the, the main purpose is about keeping forwards in those 15-meter channels to stretch the defenders because that's what teams want to do. Because there's only really two ways to beat this uh, blitz defense. One is to get around it, to, and we're seeing it a lot more now, is to kick in behind or get some, get an offload away. And, and that part of the game is really, really progressing in the last couple of years. And I think it, it's exciting. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep growing. And, and when we get to the next World Cup, I expect it to be... Uh, much, much higher level than, than previously. Awesome. And then moving forward, uh, you know, you've just mentioned, you know, so shapes and phase play. Um, we're going to – we're going to quickly recap what we talked about. So our next uh, episode, I guess, of this is we're going to talk about the two four two, right? So – um, Crusaders run two four two like crazy effectively. Um, you guys could, uh, I'm sure the was it plenty of Super Rugby is uh, on YouTube to watch. Um, you can even look at the Lions Tour um, stuff. This from this summer, it's I'm sure it's up there. All bootleg copies, of course. But uh, there's tons of rugby to watch them play. What international team is running that kind of system right now? Um, you can watch out. A, like a strict 242 in it, and there's probably no international teams running it um, at the moment. So international rugby, they have, they're at a level where it's more transitional. So they'll play a combination of, of a couple of these shapes that will start talking about okay yeah so it's 242 like the why it became about line breaks and width and it came to prominence like i just said with the crusaders in canterbury um Connacht in ireland recently used it when they won the pro well, it was 12 at the time two years ago i know bernard jackman is another irish coach he was with grenoble and he's now with He's in Cardiff, is he? I, somewhere in there. I think he's in. I know they ran 242. Uh, and a lot of teams, it seems to be the most common shape that exists in the US, or at least when I was there uh, a couple of years ago. Because it's easy to understand, and it's also very effective uh, and easy to coach. So. I probably should explain what it is. So by two four two, what we mean is, and just for the forward, so there's going to be uh, two forwards, generally from the left 15 meter to the sideline, you have four in the middle, and then two on the right 15 meters. And they're generally split up. The, the guys in the middle, or, or the core group, or whatever you want to call them, would be the uh, two props and two second rows. And then you would have a combination of your hooker and then your three back rowers split into pairs on either side and it really depends on which side of the uh, 
field, your set piece starts. So your hook, you're not going to ask your hooker, you play hooker, to throw the line out and then make it to the far side yeah. of the field. So you'll throw your line out and generally just wait there for the ball to come back with probably the when the guys that's jumping in the line out or, or, or a lifter and then the other two back rowers will go to the far side. Talk about something that's not explained in practice. No, <laughs> the reason why, yeah. No, it's like, uh, so you throw the line out. I've definitely run like after a line out all the way across the field because <laughs> like no one knows what they're doing. And yeah. it's like, all right, now I just wasted, you know, way ton amount of time. So, uh, Gordon, yeah, we're going to, we're going to get into part two. We're going to go in-depth on 242. I think that's when you are going to be here over Christmas, uh, if not maybe right when you get back to Germany. Um, just yeah. in like I'll a be, week. I'll be there. Week. Yeah, exactly a week to the day. Yeah. So in, a, in about a week, we'll get it flushed out for you guys, and uh, we'll hit 242. And then over the next couple of weeks, we'll hit – one three three one and one three two two so um it'll be pretty awesome because i am going to be here like you guys learning a ton of stuff and uh also just you know it's uh for for all the coaches out there that want more knowledge we're uh we're trying to bring you guys more knowledge so um thanks gordon um and we'll uh see you in a week or 10 days or something we'll just figure it out just uh yeah, sounds good to me. Yep. Uh, like, uh, for all those that missed uh, episode 17, the show, uh, we are off, the main show is off for two weeks uh, because of your Christmas holiday, but we're going to put some content out there like this. And then I've got uh, our full interview with Holden Youngert uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon. Uh, he's the St. Mary's scrum half. He was on the America's Pacific Challenge uh, this summer, and he has signed with New Orleans Gold Rugby in the inaugural season for Major League Rugby. So got him tomorrow around 3 p.m. Pacific time. I'll have it all flushed out uh, on Twitter and on the site uh, this afternoon. So check it out. Um, Again, Gordon, thanks, and uh, we'll see you in about a week-ish. Sounds good. Thank you. This has been Lineouts by Earful of Dirt. Connect with Earful of Dirt online. We're on Facebook and Twitter at Earful of Dirt. You can email us at earfulofdirt at gmail.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 720-600-2679. For Aaron, Dan, and Victor, I'm Corey. Thanks for listening.